Hello, welcome to episode 137 of Riot Act, the alternative music podcast, a podcast about alternative music. I'm Stephen Hill, the host, and joined as ever by my co-host, Renfrey Dedman. Renfrey, how are you today? Renfrey you okay? Dedman. Yeah, I'm good. I like the way you said my name there. It sounded like uh, I was like a wrestler. <laughs> yeah, coming down the aisle. <laughs> coming down the aisle. <laughs> Dude, that's where you come. Wrestling? Yeah, yeah, that's what oh, okay. Fink used to say in wrestling. Ah, okay. Coming down the aisle from Death Valley, <laughs> weighing something, something pounds, the Undertaker, sort of stuff like that. Very nice, cool. So, right, anyway, see you next week, everyone. It's been <laughs> lovely. Um, on this week's show, how are you anyway, Renfrey, apart from that? I'm good, man. Been doing anything good? Anything good? Doing anything good? I've been moving is what I've been doing primarily. Uh, moving boxes. Like, like the Supergrass song. Yeah, just like the Supergrass song. Uh, and it has been, it's been okay. I've been watching a lot of telly. Oh, yeah. Been watching Ted Lasso with Jason Sudeikis. Fine. Um, I watched Your Honour with Brian Cranston. Oh, yeah. Fucking brilliant. You've been wanging on about that. that chat. Mm. Really good. Um, and then I started watching... Uh, Allen versus Farrow about Woody Allen documentary oh. on Sky documentary. How the fuck is Woody Allen not in jail? It is. It's it's a curious one, isn't it? To say I, the least. I I cannot believe. I mean, fuck me. And it, people saying, "Ah, oh, shouldn't cover Nurgle," <laughs> but Woody Allen's all right. It's, no, I, I had no idea. It's a difficult I one for me. I had no idea. I because I an absolute wrong and he was. I, I I love Woody Allen's early work. See, I, I can be that prick who goes, well, I, I'm, good, I'm glad I've never seen Annie Hall or Manhattan. <laughs> good. Uh, I can be that prick. This, well, I've never seen a Woody Allen film, I was about I to say, I mean, Annie Hall, I would put into like probably one of my top 10 films. I think it's a fucking brilliant film. But it is kind of part tricky. Of the problem, I am, yeah. and therefore I am part of the problem. Um, mm. Therefore, I have allowed him to uh, do allegedly whatever he's been doing. But, uh, but uh, yeah, I, it's I, not I, much allegedly when you watch his documentary. It's not even that allegedly. Right, he is yeah. fucking unbelievable. It's unbelievable. And then I watched Football's Darkest Secret, which again is about people getting molested. I've been on a real paedophile trip this week Renfrey just watching loads of really disturbing sexual sexual harassment documentaries mm. and I feel quite upset by it all so I felt like I needed to get it out how fun for you I'll tell you who aren't <laughs> I'll tell you who aren't paedophiles signature brew is that oh, a good well, link? yeah they're not I mean I wasn't actually going to go into it then I was going to say let's stop talking about this on this week's show we're going to be reviewing these aren't paedophiles either new music from Death Above 1979 Tomahawk Juju Black Spiders and Serge Tankian and yes you're quite right to say that Signature Brewer not paedophiles either and they are great friends of the podcast do and, you think, do you think uh, they'll be happy with this I'm not sure I'm not sure if this is a good good way to say well it. we're saying they're absolutely not i mean look, look in the within the context we're just saying woody allen bad again this is another signature brew or somebody else in this case i mean i've never even had a drink i've never seen a woody allen film I've, he's never made me a beer and he's definitely a rolling so signature mm. brew win this mm. comfortably this mm. week if we're doing signature brew versus somebody yeah um, okay we should Absolutely we should do that as a special. Comfortable <laughs> signature yeah. brew versus Woody Allen. That would be interesting. <laughs> yeah. Um, anyway, um, go over to signaturebrew.co.uk. 
I was, just, I, was just, I was just going to say, if anyone from Signature Brew is listening to this, I apologise profusely for selling your product in such a manner. But carry on. <laughs> yeah, it's a bit weird. But anyway, look, Signature <laughs> Brew essentially are, as we always say every week, a, a great company who have been making fantastic beers over the years. Since 2011 in East London, they have been brewing lovely music industry related produce uh, alongside the likes of Mastodon, Frank Turner, Mogwai, Sports Team Slaves, Idols, Enter Shikari, many, many more. You can buy their now legendary pub in the box, which me and Renfrey have talked about many times, where you get mm-hmm. a plethora selection of their fantastic beverages and some snacks and a pub quiz, which uh, I nailed every time and uh, a lovely glass branded with signature brew on it as well so thanks very much to those guys and they've recently won some sort of award haven't they they won brewery business of the year at the siba independent brewer magazine awards Mm -hmm. i'm not don't know much about the brewing industry i can't can't deny that but that seems like it would be quite a quite a like the kind of the, the the grammys of the brewing industry i hear it's the grammys the oscars and the baftas all rolled into one of the brewing industry but for beer but for beer which kind of makes kind of makes it better yeah so anyway so big things big that's pretty impressive congratulations well done to to you guys congratulations yeah well done lads and um if you go to their website signaturebrew.co.uk put the code riot act in small capitals in the checkout and you'll be able to get 10 percent off all of that award-winning stuff Oh, can't believe it it's amazing uh anyway there you go thanks very much to you guys very nice uh go to our patreon page as well patreon.com forward slash right act podcast where you can sign up for some exclusive content including our five pound a month classic album tier where we give you two classic albums a month mm. we've just released that one on the specials which i feel like I've exhausted talking about it at this point, but it did actually come out this week. And um, yeah, that was that was good. And our Rioters review, I'm not going to sell it any more than that because I feel like I've sold it a lot. Rioters review, for anyone who just signed up for any amount, you can suggest a album for us to talk about and we will do that. We just did Pop Will Eat Itself, uh, mm. the Lost Low Boss one. Mm. forgotten what it's called now. Dadius Melissa number Low Boss. Is how you pronounce it, I think. The one, the one with the, the Black Sabbath. Um, sample on it which we didn't actually talk about on the podcast but it is on there uh, yeah so those two things are over on our Patreon page if you want to go and check that out amongst other things many 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 other things and I guess our next classic album which will be coming in a couple of Mondays time for you we should chat about bringing back the, the double classic album Renfrey it's been a while hasn't it yeah 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 we're going to be doing a double on Gojira because uh, so just so happens they have a new album coming out as well they do, they do, which people seem to, I've heard, quite like, mm. apparently. I may or may not have heard it, as I said last week. Um, yeah, so, <laughs> look, it, it, it's going to be big, that. Le Fon Sauvage mm. and Magma. I have to say, we're doing two albums, which are, like, don't get me wrong, are great. And I'm not even sure we're doing the best Gajira album. So, that's um, how good Gajira are. It's certainly, yeah. Yeah, I mean, L'Enfant Sauvage is my favourite. Um, oh, I don't know. Yeah, it's hard to say which one's the best because they've put out such quality outputs since, uh, certainly since from Master Serious. And even the first mm. two, even the Link and Terry Incognita have their moments. So. I think the Link's really good. Yeah? 
yeah, I do. I think it's wicked, actually. I hadn't listened to it. I did a kind of Gojira worst to best, which is a bit of a spoiler if you want to know what my favourite album is, um, for Metal Hammer last year. And I went back and listened to the link for the first time in ages. And I was like, fucking hell, this is really good. You did do really, that. Really good. You did do that. But didn't you put the link last? No. Huh. All right. I don't think so. I put Terror Incognito last. I'm going to check. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Okay. Good. Or maybe I didn't actually. Maybe I did put Terror. <laughs> I, mean, I can't remember. But uh, the point is, both of them. You I did. Think you are did really put good. the link last. <laughs> did I? But that's how good they are. That's how good they are. That even their worst album is really, really good. I actually, I, 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 I personally, I personally disagree. I do, I think Terry Incognito is, is their worst album. But, 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 uh, but you know, fair dues. Yeah, but it sounds like okay. you disagree with yourself. Well, I don't How know odd. if I do, but yeah, <laughs> I feel, maybe I do. Maybe I do. Maybe I do disagree with myself. Apologies, I don't know, listeners. Those last two. Uh, Steve's anyway, having a crisis of conscious right now. <laughs> yeah, I am. Uh, anyway, go to patreon.com forward slash right podcast and all that stuff will be there for you. And, mm. you know, I'm sure we make a pretty good case that whether whichever one of those two first two Gajira albums is the worst of the two, I think we'll make a pretty good case that Magma and La Font Sauvage are both really, really fucking good. Tip top. Um, tip top. So something that, I think you probably you and I have contributed to actually Renfrey is the uh, the sales of vinyl. There's a, a something that came out this week that shows that the resurgence in vinyl sales is going up to the point where the revenue made from vinyl in the UK is going to ex- uh, eclipse CDs for the first time since the 1980s. Since 1987, to be uh, even yeah, more since, yes, precise. Since 1987. Mm, mm. Yeah, yeah. Um, it's finally happened. Reven- yeah, the, the vinyl sales increased to 86.5 million in the UK. That's a rise of 30.5% and CDs fell by 18.5%. Um, so, you know, that, um, apparently that's still 115 million. But that seemed, that's more than 86 million, so I don't really understand why. But anyway. Uh, no, 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 the, it's it's projected. So sales of vinyl in the UK are set to, um, to mm. be higher than CDs. So it's not... Well, I, I just said, oh, it's happened. It hasn't actually happened yet, but it looks like, but you know, it looks like it will happen this year um, for the first time since 1987 with projections and so on and so forth. Um, I mean, the CD has probably had the longest death knell. Uh, it's probably the formats that's had the longest death knell in music history, is it not? Um, Would have thought so. Yeah. Because I mean, I remember reading uh, articles around kind of late 2008, 2009, saying the CD is dead. And yet it still kind of isn't dead. I mean, bands are still making them. There are, you know, some smaller bands don't make them anymore, and that's understandable. Um, But, you know, every single major release is still supported with a CD. Mm. Because at the end of the day, Mm. they're easy to make. And... um, it's a good format, as I keep arguing, even though it's that's massively unpopular thing to say at the moment. But it is. Um, so, yeah. It, it, well, it was. Is it? I mean, I, OK, I, we haven't really delved into this that much. What's so good about it? I, I get like vinyl has become a thing where I'm like, I feel like I can get something from vinyl that I can't really get from Spotify or Apple Music or MP3s or whatever. And certainly art wise and just package wise, vinyl 
looks really good. I don't really feel like that about CDs anymore. Mm. I have to be honest. It's um no. So I, what's what's I the agree. selling point for a CD, Renfrew? I agree with that. I think um, it's sort of I kind of see it as the music connoisseur's choice in a weird way because there's this whole there was that whole argument about vinyl being better sounding quality than CD, blah blah blah. And as we've discussed on this before, it's not better sounding; it's just different sounding. But mm. if you buy certain records on vinyl, you're not going to notice any no. perceivable difference at all. Taking one, the Architects record, because of the way that the Architects record is very digitally produced, there's not going to be any, you're not going to get any benefit from getting that on vinyl over CD at all. No. Um, in fact, unless I you just want to listen to the first half of it and for it to stop. Yeah, but the second half's the better half, so you know that would be better. Or the second half, <laughs> maybe you don't like the first half. Maybe it's like for you, you can then go, "Oh, I just I can scratch that first half and then just put the, play the second half all the time." Yeah, CD players do have skip buttons as well. <laughs> um, I mean, Shit. getting getting, getting to track <laughs> elusive skip button, <laughs> getting to track super easy is a good thing. Um, I think also the fact that I mean MP3s ninety nine percent of the time, especially if you stream them, are nowhere near the quality of um, of CD. Uh, and because the majority of people do stream stuff now, you don't really notice the difference until you AB them. You know, until until you kind of. So the, I think there's a lot of people sort of living in ignorance, thinking that like you know MP3 is the same quality as CDs. Um, but particularly if you stream it on something like Spotify or something like that, it, it absolutely isn't at all. It's actually quite significantly uh, of a lesser quality. There are some, uh, so the likes of Bandcamp, for example, if you buy um, music over Bandcamp, you can choose to download in different uh, quality settings mm -hmm. and things like that. But that's not that's not an industry-wide standard. So, um, yeah. so for that reason... Uh, I don't. I don't think CDs are a totally devoid format, and I. I still kind of. I don't think. I basically don't think that they're ever going to fully go away because they're they're really easy to make. And in terms of you know, mm. especially in terms of um, supporting bands live and stuff, people go, oh, people don't buy CDs and stuff. But actually, there is quite. There's still quite a few people who will buy CDs. Uh, at a show just to support just just to give some sort of support to the bands and stuff like that well what what they mm. do with those cds i don't know i don't know if they actually play them or not or anything like that but you know i suppose i'm a big advocate of cds because i'm looking around my room now and uh one of the things i have to do is transport my cd collection of around three thousand cds to uh to my new new house uh which is very 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 daunting indeed um but yeah i i i i think it's it's not sort of this this whole case of like what's better vinyl or cd is just a distraction from the real uh from the real benefit of both which is that they're they're just totally they're different formats but they're you know if you want to listen to pink floyd you should probably listen to it on vinyl because that'll work better or more analog sounding stuff is going to sound better on vinyl basically yeah, I, I i would always argue that i mean going on discogs or what i very rarely buy that many new bands albums unless i feel like they're a band who probably would pay attention to that or record in that way or i think i feel some sort of benefit so 
I mean, you mentioned Architects. I would say, I mean, I bought the I Like Trains album mm. on vinyl because I felt like that was an album created with a sort of 80s aesthetic around it Yeah, that I thought would sound just a bit fuller um, on vinyl. And it, it does, like, yeah. just about. I mean, that, you know, and, and obviously I wanted to support the band as well. But um, I've not really thought of the verses and pros and cons of the cd to be perfectly honest i've only really thought about because i've just like because i was probably a bit more like well package wise i'm not excited by it mm. like when my fucking sound of perseverance death gatefold thing turned up and i was like oh photos and sleeves and liner mm. notes and all this cool and the you know that that red of that cover massive looks great yeah great but um don't really get that so much with with cds so yeah it's a it's a good point i hadn't really thought about it i do love the resurgence of like the box set with vinyls which is really really cool yeah. like that's that's awesome i think the thing that i don't like about that is because you know they sell for extraordinary like extraordinary money like sometimes you get box sets which are around 300 quid and when you're when you're basically well, mate- Go on. You remember that fucking Stooges Funhouse yeah. final box? Yeah, yeah. Came out, and I was like, "I'm getting that," and it was five hundred quid, and I was like, "Maybe I'm not." Yeah, and and you are you are just paying for one album, and then I mean that Stooges one. I'm sure there was some interesting stuff on it, but most of the time with those box sets, it's stuff that you'll only listen to once, like an alternative mm-hmm. take of. 1970 or whatever it's like well you know i I mean there's a reason why it's an alternative take it's because the other one's better (laughs) you know there's a reason there's a reason why that one went onto the original record um so i mean it depends i mean some sometimes sometimes they are really really good like we've talked about a few deluxe packages on uh, classic albums which have been actually really really good but it's um it's rare that they're really worth it i think but I do. But having said that, I do love a lavishly packaged when something comes together and it's really well put together. And I mean, you know, we're all fans at the end of the day, and I do, I do love that sort of thing. Um, yeah, I mean that that my injustice for all Metallica mm, vinyl box mm, set mm, thing is just mm. fucking brilliant. I would imagine there's a black album one coming out this year. I would like to think. Yeah. Well, they they did it in in, in, in two thousand six. They did uh master puppets and then in 2008 they did 2016 sorry in 2016 they did master puppets 2008 they did so i'm assuming that it was you know eight 2013 and 2014 that they did ride the lightning and Mm. kill them all i would imagine but so yeah i would have thought that kind of 30th anniversary edition of their black albums well they are planning to re re re-release the entire um back catalog um up to I think St. Anger, because basically they bought their they bought the rights back for their music. So they're releasing it on their own label, Blackened, rather than I think it's Electra in the US and Vertigo mm. in the UK. Um yeah. so that's why they're doing it. Um but it is cool. Like it's I mean, some of those extra bits in those box sets, like there's there's some wicked live uh concerts from those from those mm-hmm. times as well, you know, which are really, really cool to hear um yeah sometimes sometimes bands do it well i think those metallica ones are a really good example and sometimes it feels very sort of just hastened together and you're like god this cost me 250 quid or whatever and it's like why but yeah 
Yeah, and and in during a global pandemic, you know, you got to find ways to get that money to spend two hundred pound on a box set, and that brings us very nicely to the next thing I was going to talk about because bands at the moment struggling to raise money during the pandemic. Don't worry, bands. Roger Daltrey's got you covered because <laughs> Roger Daltrey is now selling his own brand champagne. So Venom Prison, stop moaning. Venom Prison and uh, Black Peaks and uh, Ithaca. Stop moaning that you can't play any live shows. Just make some champagne. You just go and brew your own champagne. Yeah. Where where does champagne come That's from? A sim- uh, it comes from the uh, Champagne region in France, uh, which is. I, w- mm. I wonder if that's had an effect. That I wonder if Brexit's had an effect on um, his costs for that. Surely it would have done. Right. I don't think that's relevant to to Roger Daltrey. He's been very quiet about Brexit, obviously. Uh, <laughs> yeah. So Roger Daltrey is. I mean, to be fair to Roger Daltrey, I just thought this was funny in this story because Roger Daltrey, um, as you've alluded to quite outspoken on brexit and then had to do a sort of you know 180 when he realized that it was going to be quite hard for bands to tour well he, his own. he was asked about it on a on a on a was it football focus or something like that on a on a, on a football program uh mm-hmm. and he was just like oh it's nonsense um and then yeah and then had to do one a on it um i don't know i don't know if being asked a question and answering it honestly is outspoken I suppose it is, but yeah, yeah. Well, he was, he was, he said they were the mafia, the European Union. He called them the the, the mafia, didn't he? That's so true. Say that's, yeah, no, no, fair it's enough. Not, it's fair not enough. exactly. You're not, you're not a sort of shrinking <laughs> violet. Shrinking when, violet. Like, <laughs> like you're saying shit like that. Um, no, but this fair. is, to be fair, this is, this is actually uh, to raise funds for the Teenage Cancer Trust, which is a great charity. I've done. Um, but I worked for alongside the Teenage Cancer Trust in my other job for like four years. You know, don't like yeah. to talk about my charity work. It's not really charity work. I was getting I was getting paid a full time <laughs> wage for it. <laughs> <laughs> but um, but yeah, so I got to go to all the Teenage Cancer Trust concerts over the years, and they're always fucking great. Um, apart from that time I saw Doves. That wasn't really very good. Oh, yeah. But, you know, they're, they're always really good. And the charity is obviously great. And Roger Daltrey, to be fair to him, uh, he's made some champagne. And he's put the Quadrophenia album cover on the front of the bottle. And it's just hilarious. It's just so Alan Partridge, isn't it? <laughs> Roger Daltrey sells champagne. Like. You told me we were going to cover this story. You didn't tell me that it was uh, that some of the proceeds were going to Teenage Cancer Trust. And now I feel bad for being or mocking about it. I mean, like that's actually no. Well, you know, quite cool. yeah, it is. But it's it's just the idea that, that Roger. Some, I don't know. It's something quite funny about Roger Daltrey sort of looking like your nan now. Getting to one of those rock stars that gets to an age that looks like a nan. And he's a nice guy, Roger. I'm sure he's a nice guy. But after everything that he's sort of done recently, for him to, you know, I'm a man of the people. <laughs> I'm going to raise the money by selling champagne. It is It is a funny, it is a funny thing. Yeah. It is a, it's just a fun, it's just a funny thing, Renfrew. He kind it of. doesn't mean that he's a bad person or a no, twat no, or anything no. like that. It's just like, it's just a funny thing to go. That, what's the first thing that would spring to my mind as me, man of the people, normal rock star, normal average Joe, <laughs> Roger Daltrey? Oh, I'll just whip up some champagne, shall I? <laughs> it's, he kind of looks a little bit like, um, 
like uh, Ed Gein wearing someone else's face, like a dead skin mask. Do you know <laughs> what I mean? Like, <laughs> it does a bit, yeah. Maybe I mean, this is a horrible sure thing to say. We're all we're all gonna we're all yeah. gonna age. I'll probably look like that at his age, but you know. Um, yeah. But yeah, you fucking wish you will. <laughs> um, yeah, it, it's really Paul McCartney donated a hundred top hats. Uh, it's like you know to the, to, to the that bit in Brass Eye. Um, but fair play to you know, it's going to raise money for for a decent charity. It's just where did he come up with the idea of? <laughs> Champagne. I guess I he I guess he likes champagne probably. But um that seems like out of the remit of a lot of Who fans' budget. I don't know. I mean, I don't know. Although I don't know, Who fans are probably relatively old and probably have quite a lot of money these days. Uh the, the majority yeah. of them, I should say, not all of them. But you know, mm. so maybe it isn't maybe it's a great idea. My dad uh, the Who are my dad's favourite band. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And he's he's still trying to sort his pension out. He retired last year. So right. he's not gonna be So he's not gonna be getting he can't afford branded champagne. It's a weird thing for a uh, quote unquote punk band to do, isn't it? Yeah. A weird thing mm. like I can't imagine the They're not a punk band though, are they? I mean, but they aren't a punk band. I kind of, I kind of always saw them as a. Uh, uh, yeah, I get yeah. They predate that quite a bit. I think yeah. the Clash. I mean, if the Clash, they were rebels, band. weren't they? They were rebels. Well, yeah, the Clash are a punk band. Yeah, yeah. But the Who were around twelve years before the Clash. Yeah, all right, fine. And the Clash are like the first proper British. Uh, let you say the damned anyway we don't need to get into the <laughs> semantics about what is and isn't punk i'll tell you what is punk our first album that we're going to review this week comes from death Row of 1979 the album is called is for lovers it's the fourth full-length album from the alternative no- noise rock duo the follow-up to their post-reformation the physical world in 2014 and outrage now from 2017 we did a writer's review on the band's debut album i'm a woman you're a machine and i love that record i love that record and i love doing that because it made me remember how much i enjoyed their particular brand of chaotic danceable garage noise and well fuck it this is even more of a reminder of just how fucking fantastic a band death of above 1979 are this record there you go that's what i think about this record (laughs) i love it let's move on um ah interesting okay um there's a lot of talk in the press release about how death from above 1979 are a boundary pushing band Mm -hmm. um which sounds a little bit over the ott to me uh they're not a totally they're not like a totally straight ahead rock band but then they're hardly like frank zappa either are they or to compare them to other but they go on well i can say but as I will say as we go through this, they are a band who meld things that don't usually be meld are usually not melded together. They meld those things together. They may not be completely unique, but considering they are essentially a noisy punk rock duo, they certainly pull from far more places than the majority of their peers i would say uh yes i yeah probably i think i mean i was going to go on to say that like compared to say 68 i don't think they're massively Mm -hmm. experimental or even even if you take that last haggard cat record you know the way that like haggard cat with common sense holiday managed to expand their own sound and 
greatly improve their songwriting at the same time. You know, that was a real step forward for that band. And I feel like Is For Lovers may well be the most experimental uh, record of Death From Above 1979's career, potentially. But even mm. the most experimental thing that they've released is still, I mean, compared to any 68 album, it's not that boundary pushing, really, is it? That's all I was going to say on that. Uh, it dep- I think it depends what you mean by boundary pushing. Mm. I actually think this sounds more uniquely Death Above 1969 than... 1979? 1979 than... Yeah, so I was thinking of The Who. Um, Death Above 1979 than... Uh, it, yeah, more uniquely that band than either of the two bands you've just mentioned. Mm. I think they have a... I think they have... I don't think anyone else has done Queens of Stone Age meets Daft Punk ever mm. and i think they're doing they're doing that ben folds queens of stone age fu manchu daft punk roik sop um air all mixed together in one thing i mean that's not necessarily boundary pushing but it is an incredibly unique meld of stuff mm. that mm. i've never i've never heard a robot rock turned into craft work before in that manner mm. like not to not to this not to this extent mm, yeah. and you know um uh sebastian granger obviously has a history post the band splitting up the initial time around becoming a dj and doing his own electronic music and working with what they called miscraft is that how you say it so it's what it's, it's jesse isn't it? it's not um sebastian yeah. it's jesse um working with mist M- mstr craft the mm-hmm. you know so he's he's been doing that mm. um and i think he brings a kind of uh, a sort of legitimacy to their sound that a lot of bands rock bands who dip their toes into industrial or electronic sounds don't have fair enough i think i think they certainly have an identity and when we talk about identities on this show and stuff like that i think there is an mm-hmm. identity to them i just thought boundary pushing was way ott you know boundary pushing for me is like swans or something like that um it's semantics we're getting very semanticy this yeah. week um mm-hmm. but uh I, I was just wondering on your opinion on on that um it sounds like you're more positive about this record than i am as a whole um, I think there's some really, really, really good songs on this record. I also think there are some quite odd diversions into more experimental material, which really just don't work very well for me at all, particularly towards the album's latter half. Um, a couple of songs in particular, uh, Glass Homes, begins with a very kind of 8-bit video game sounding electronic burble thing that goes throughout it. Um, And it's a very incessant electronic bleepy riff, if you will, that continues throughout the whole song and dominates what could have been a a pretty decent song, in my opinion. But it's just so... They're so distracting, those synths and electronics, that I just... The, my overall takeaway from Glass Homes is it's just quite irritating that there's a really good song buried there underneath, but it's kind of ruined by what sounds like someone playing Commander Keen in on full volume 
um, it, next door or something like that. And then uh, Love Letter starts with a very Beatles-esque piano riff, very specifically kind of McCartney. Um, mm -hmm. And it's quite jaunty and nice, but then it just it just doesn't really go anywhere. And at four minutes and 18 seconds, it's the longest song on the album. In fact, both of those songs together come to a little over eight minutes, which may not sound like much, but then this album's only 31 minutes. So those two songs alone amount to a little over a quarter of this entire record. So it sounds a bit weird that I'm just picking up on two songs, but it is a large part of the album as a whole and neither of them work mm. for me at all. I don't know your feeling on those songs in particular. Yeah, I think they're both absolutely brilliant. Right. Mean Streets as well is <laughs> fucking great. Um, mean Streets another, I love. So, mean yeah, Streets is probably... Sort of Piano-y led thing. Yeah, yeah, Mean Streets is probably my favourite song on the record, funnily enough, which is right after that. So, and again, that begins with this lovely piano riff and a kind of heartbeat pulse on the drums before going absolutely apoplectic with this really punky mm. aggression around the minute mark. Uh, it sounds like Madcaps Your Markets you know, which I never thought I'd say of Death From Above. But... Well, I, I hoped you'd never say that. <laughs> no, I think that's a good thing. Like, it's wicked. It's so yeah. unexpected. And there's a wicked yeah. solo on it. I I, I mean, I think, looking at the track listing, the opening one, two, three of Modern Guy, One Plus One and Free Animal might be the strongest opening one, two, three on an album I've heard this year. Holy shit, I really? Think, I think it's fucking great. And I was so delighted. I've said before, when we did the, the Rioters review on Death and Above, on I'm a Woman, You're a Machine, I said to you, the Justice remix of um, Blood on Our Hands mm. and the Errol Okan remix of romantic rights or is it the other way around so it's romantic rights and blood in our hands have been remixed by justice and errol okan right and as good as that record is and it is really good my favorite thing that i had on the uk because i got the uk bonus sort of yeah, yeah, yeah edition of it the two best things on it were the justice and errol okan remix of it the two times where they turned Death and Above into a dance band, mm. right? They did like full blown dance. Like, this is fucking great. Proper disco beat, Euro electro dance remixes of a rock band. And I listened to those songs. I listened to those remixes more than I listened to that debut album. And I really, really like that debut album, but I think the remixes are fucking great. And so getting this, like I said to you, I think when we did the Right Ears review, I wasn't mad like wow my god i wasn't super excited when death and above came back because i was just like oh that's cool i like their first album but i really really like the remixes and i just thought they probably won't have as much energy and yada 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 and i'm not even you know to the point where outrage now i think i listened to once and i don't even think i've listened to uh the other one um so i was a bit like oh i'm it probably is just gonna sound the same i'm fucking delighted absolutely delighted that it feels like they have reached into my brain and gone what is it that you want us to sound like and my answer to that is i want you to sound like death and above 1979 being remixed by a european dance edm artist and that's basically what this record sounds like hmm. for the most part that opening one two three modern guy as soon as that choppy electro riff comes in i was like oh great they've done the thing that i wanted them to do and 
you know, the riff on one plus one is amazing. And when the chorus drops, it's just gloriously brilliant. And um, Free Animal is my favourite song on the record. Like, I think there are probably artistically more interesting songs than Free Animal on the record. But Free Animal is just so great. The disco beat, fucking massive blobs of distortion, huge Josh Homme riff, absolutely momentous, propulsive rhythms going throughout the whole song. It's fucking awesome. And I was just like yes this is exactly what the album that i wanted you to make that's really interesting i thought the open first three it's really interesting you say that it's might be the best first three songs of the year you've heard so far i found it a really ho-hum start um i like one plus one is pretty good uh i think uh, you know free animal I, i i like um but uh i i I didn't even make any notes for um modern guy because it just it just kind of went over my head and it's a weird one because i've listened to this album quite a few times and i was sort of hoping for the songs just to stick with me a little bit more and they just they just haven't i listened to this half a dozen times or so just really wanting it to get under my skin and for some reason it just didn't and i'm not I'm not entirely sure why. There are there are a few things on it, as I say, that I just a few choices that I just found uh, irritating and didn't quite work for me. When it's good, though, it is really good. I don't want to give the impression that this is a bad album overall because there are some great, great songs on it. Totally wiped out, you know. It's really, really manic. Three Fighters meets Blood Brothers. Yeah, yeah. It's really manic one moment and then goes into a very sort of Queens of the Stone Age esque bit the next you know there's some brilliant stuff on it as i already said i think mean streets is incredible the last song no war uh sounds like muse which uh i know is probably not a good thing for for you <laughs> um but well it's my least favorite song on the record oh uh, i thought it actually if i have one criticism of this record is it does end with a slight whimper with that song i think uh, that's a weird thing to because it's it's yeah, okay, I, I understand what you're saying, but it's so grandiose, that song. Yeah, it is, it is, but I think it's, I mean, what I really liked about this this album is it came, it, it came roaring out with those first three songs, and then it's sort of, you get totally wiped out, which is a bit more, you know, kind of a, a, a tad more relaxed, at least, you know, than it's not as sort of fast and... And and then you get the kind of eight bit electro stuff, and then you get the pianos coming in for those two songs. And I was like, that's really great the way that they've started at eleven and they've slowly gone down the gears and mm. they've just fizzled out. But then No War comes in and gives it kind of one last bang. And it's not a bad. I mean, again, it's not a bad song. Um, it's not a bad song. It's just I was like, ah, oh, you could have ended the album before that, and it would have been just such a short, sharp blast. Because how long is no war and if you'd have had you have cut that out you're taking three and a half minutes off so you're taking a it would turn to like a 28 minute long album which i mean there or not there it makes no real difference to the album overall i just like i i think the first nine songs i'm like that's brilliant and then there's a a quite good song on the end of it Mm, weird it's, it's interesting i i think considering i complain more often than not about albums being too long I don't think this album, I mean, certainly not too long at 31 minutes, but it does feel very, very slight. Like there was, a, after the first time I heard it, there was a sense of, is that it? Which is a kind of cr- crazy thing to say in a way, because there is a lot going on on it. 
um, mm. on this album. You know, and I, I can't, you know, say that there isn't really, but I just a lot of it went over my head. I don't know. Maybe I'm just not in the right frame of mind for a death, new Death from Above record at the moment. I don't know. Maybe this is one that I'll go back to in a few months' time. And be like, yeah, I was totally wrong about that. Um, but well, I just, I, I, I think, I, I think overall it's quite good. But overall, it's, it's. This is like a definition of a three out of five record to me because it has some great moments, mm. some moments that I find really cloying and annoying. And overall, that makes it kind of like, yeah, it's good. It's okay. But um, but yeah, I'm, you're, I'm surprised at how positive you are about it. I I love it to the point where I think it might be their best album. Wow. That I've heard anyway. Wow. Yeah. I think it's fucking great. I'm, I love how brief it is. I love how so much shit happens. And I more than anything, like I can't. I mean, I guess maybe we've spoken before about like you're not mad on uh like the chemical brothers or whatever particularly mm. are you you're no. somebody who really cares for that kind of um electronic led like one note kind of one note one beat sort of uh jackhammer approach to songwriting where you know the beat and the feel is mm. the whole song mm. Mm. yes and i think there's a few songs and and I think there are a few songs in this where you could go, this is just about the propulsion of the rhythm. And not, I'm not even going to say not much else because there's always a good riff on it or a, a sort of a vocal hook of some description, even if it's not like a really, really standout, amazing vocal hook. It's still some sort of vocal hook on it. Um, but I do love the fact that this just feels like an actual it's it's like an actual dance music it's not to me what i like about it is it doesn't feel like a rock band trying to do like you know in the in the late 90s when everyone tried to do like dance rock and then end up like apollo end up being apollo 440 or whatever and you know when the propeller heads got big and it was oh let's do a you know a, a propeller heads remix of do you know what i mean by oasis and it's just like oh this is a bit of a slog yeah or whatever do you know what i mean and and i think a lot of time and it, and particularly when you listen to a band like, I don't know, The Bravery or whatever, who we've obviously spoken about on this show previously, where you think you're a rock band and you don't have a real sort of good grasp about what makes good dance music. Mm, mm. Whereas when dance bands go the other way, like like on Set in Sun by the Chemical Brothers or with The Prodigy, you know, The Prodigy and Popwell Eat Yourself doing their law, for example, mm. like they seem to usually have a better grasp of flipping it the other way than rock bands do of going dance. And I think this is a really good example of people who started in kind of punk and dance and rock music going into electronic music and kind of being able to merge those two things together in a way that is that feels like a, a genuine synthesis. Yeah, I, I, I don't disagree with that. And I certainly that sort of Chemical Brothers approach that you're talking about, I, I think. The reason why I'm not sure if that's a brilliant example is because really the thing that I get annoyed about with those that 90s dance thing is those songs being just one thing over and over again for fucking six and a half minutes, mm -hmm. seven minutes, which obviously Death From Above don't do. They don't have the time to do that. Like yeah. I said, the longest song on this record is four minutes and 18 seconds. Um, but I don't, I, I, I don't know. I don't know why... I, I, I don't want to give the impression that I think this is a bad record at all because I don't. I just think overall I found it a little bit, a little bit underwhelming. 
But I'm really pleased to hear hmm. that you didn't. And now that you've said that, I really want to go back to it and listen to it more and be like, well, is this just, is this just me? Maybe I'm just being... I don't know if you... I mean, I think I've got to be honest. I'm not sure you will. Because for me, the instant it came on, I was like, oh, this is great. Uh. It was like an in those first three songs, I was like, this is an instant thrill. Hmm. And I almost did that thing where I was like, oh my God, I just have to go back and listen to those first three songs again. Because oh, okay. they're so fucking, so catchy, so exciting straight away. And then, you know, and in terms of doing something like you say at the start, experimental or new or whatever, I wouldn't say those three songs are I, I, particularly I, experimental I th- at all. I think the first half of the record is 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 very... Uh, Standard. It's Death From Above by Numbers, which which isn't as bad a thing to say as it sounds, because like you've just said, that whole, they do that those dance elements in rock better than most people. So, mm. so when I say Death From Above by Numbers, that's not a as bad a thing to say as it sounds but it, it the first half of the record felt very straight ahead to me and then the yeah. second half of the record has some experimental material which i think works gloriously and some experimental material which just which irked me and it didn't really work for me and like i say because because two of the songs just happen to be almost a quarter of the length of the album it's like well that's quite a lot of the record as a whole mm. you know uh, but then you really like those songs, so then maybe I don't know. Maybe I'm I just do. maybe I'm just being a sourpuss. I have no idea. I really, I really like. I really <laughs> probably yeah. I really like this band. Yeah. <clears throat> I really want to like. I'd really like to see some of this material live when they come back. And um, I think this is a a good record. But um, but yeah, I didn't get the same feeling from it that you did. Yeah, I think it's really good. Mm, cool. Okay. I mean, I think it's really good. It's one of my, it's probably my favourite straight ahead can just put this on and be like, yes, album of the year. I mean, I, Stephen Wilson album is still something I play a lot, but obviously there are bits in that that are a bit quieter and a bit more kind of, you know, melo- more kind of typically pop melodious sounding. There's nothing, and it doesn't start with a big like boom, but this is a real kind of, rush of a record in the same way as like fuck up by the dirty nil you just put it on you go this is just really really good at doing that and um mm. you know, i got i got this like brilliantly instantaneous like rush of adrenaline from it compared to you know other two pieces so i mean 68 and and haggard cat for is example out, 68 is out that we that we reviewed last week is out this week today to it, by the way yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. So i these mean these two albums are out at the same time does um how does it um compare to six the give give one take one and uh common sense holiday for example for you um i think it's quite hard to say it's more instantaneous than both of them i think it's easier to listen to and more instantly enjoyable than both of them hmm that's what I would say. I, I'm not going to say it's better mm. um, than either of them because I think there are th- th- those three albums, although they're duos, they don't really do the same thing. Any of them do they really? I suppose. I think Haggy Cat and 68 do have probably more in common. I think there's a, a more kind of there's a more of a kind of willful antagonism around Haggy Cat and 68, which I really enjoy. Mm. And I don't really get the feeling from, particularly from this particular album, from Death and Above, that they're going out of their way to antagonise. I think they're, they're genuinely trying to make 
are just a very catchy, odd concoction of sound. But they want to make yeah. dance music. They want to make you dance. Yeah, and that's great. Like mm. that's awesome, and they do they do do that very well. Uh, yeah. But I think often. the stuff I like about the six yeah, but the stuff I like about the sixty eight album and the stuff I like about the Haggard Cat album is when it's sort of feedback and noise and odd, you know, odd kind of stylistic decisions. But yet, but but they managed to be catchy within that framework, and I, I just think it's a different approach. Mm. I think although they're two pieces, it's like you know you often say about how different post rock is, and we often say about just because you're a female singer songwriter, it doesn't mean you sound the same or whatever. And I think you know just because you're a duo, it doesn't necessarily mean you are stylistically coming from the same place. And I think that's yeah, I think that's probably what I would say. No, so I've, I've skillfully swerved the question there, Renfrew, <laughs> No, true, but it. But I suppose the thing that um, the thing with all two pieces, to a degree, is uh, by limiting yourself, it gives you only a certain amount of palette and a, a certain amount of stuff to work with, I guess. Um, which is the thing which um, which uh, is is a through line with all two pieces so i guess that's why i kind of compared them um i kind of i i I feel like the way now that we've talked about it i feel like i might have done the dirty on this record and maybe i need to go back to it and listen to it more you've been very influential on me steve um but um (laughs) just in my life generally but um (laughs) yeah i don't know i wanted to like this so much more than i did and it was a little bit in one ear and out the other bar a few tracks which i think are great um but yeah i'm gonna i'm gonna return to it throughout the year and um see see if uh like i said maybe i was just being a sourpuss i had no idea i think you should so what have we learned ray um renfrey still hates pop music <laughs> is the... <laughs> it's not true at all mate a... that lana del rey true. album for um, well, I don't think that's pop music. But, and what, but, uh, and what mean, do you mean it's not a... pop music? Like, it is pop music. It's not pop music, is it? Lo- huh? It, it is pop, pop music. music is it? The Lana Del Rey album is not pop music. It's not. It's popular music, but it's not pop music. I mean... She's not, she's not Little She's not little Mix. That album's not Little Mix, is it? <laughs> I don't think this album's Little Mix either, though, really. Is this it? album is closer to Little Mix than the Lana Del Rey album is. Uh, uh, maybe <laughs> I get oh, okay yeah maybe I, th- do you know the thing I don't think the Lana well I, I didn't feel that the Lana Del Rey album was an instantaneous joyous thrill of stuff it's not and joyous I kind of feel like it's definitely not joyous no um, this is and not, not yeah. all pop music has to be like yeah but I think it's at its best when it is yeah. that's what I think about when I think about pop music it at least has some sort of you know propulsion I think the Lana Del Rey album is so dense and vast and you know, and and it, and and and, and clever—not that pop music again, not that pop music is not clever—but it's just such a deeply inter, interwoven soundscape of different ideas, and it just feels like it's more than pop music. That feels like I'm slagging off pop music now, which is never my intention. Maybe, but, maybe that's maybe, it, but maybe I just want something a bit more dense and something that's going to live with me a bit more rather than something instantaneous. You know. Uh, yeah, that's, what pop music's meant. That, that, that's what pop music's meant to be yeah sort of well yeah i guess joyous so. sugar rush of fun and that's what i got from this record i think it's just a really great catchy kind of dance rock record so fuck you <laughs> <laughs> sorry mate that's fair enough anyway 
<laughs> is for lovers by death from above 1979 is out now let us know what you think the 68 album is out this week as well we should also say that genghis tron album that we reviewed is out this week i think this is an incredibly strong week for new releases an incredibly strong week from for new releases when you consider the things that we reviewed last week as well and i would put this one in with with all the others so that's out mm-hmm. now that's death from above 1979 and moving on to another band who i used to like loads back in the noughties and then they just sort of vanished and i paid a little bit less attention to them tomahawk tonic immobility is the name of their fifth album the alternative rock supergroup featuring Dwayne dennison from the jesus lizard trevor dunn from mr bungle john stainer from battles and helmet and of course one of the best men that have ever lived, my good friend, <laughs> Mike Patton. Uh, this is the follow-up to 2013's Oddfellows record. Um, and I've heard a few people saying that the singles from this record weren't that good. Now, I'm not sh- again, I'm not sure I agree with that because, again, this is a record that I feel Tomahawk have sort of done something which i'm glad that they did i feel like they've done this for me a bit because the self-titled tomahawk album is incredible i think mick gas is really really fucking strong and very close to that as well anonymous and odd fellows not so much and they're quite different records as well um you don't like odd fellows i'm surprised by that i quite like really uh, okay well, i didn't like that so much all right what's your uh your overall relationship with tomahawk grimfrey are you a fan yeah oh most definitely yeah um i think uh are, are tomahawk the the most straight ahead uh quote-unquote rock band of all of mike Patton's various projects do you think they're they're the closest thing to faith no more that he's got i would say yeah mm. I I and, think I mean Faith No More are not a straight ahead rock band by any stretch of the imagination, but I think no. Tomahawk are the the thing that rem, that where they get the thing that I love about Faith No More is the the only time I get that from anything else that Mike Patton has done is probably the odd bit of Peeping Tom and Tomahawk. Yeah, I don't think anything that Mike Patton does is straight ahead, um, but I'm just saying I th- I I think Tomahawk are arguably the most straight ahead thing um he's done uh i actually include faith no more in that i do appreciate the fact that faith no more have massive hits and you know massive like massive 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 songs but i think overall as as bands you know i mean faith no more go into so many different genres on their records you take a record like king for a day or angel dust there's so much different Mm -hmm. stuff going on there's a lot of different styles and a lot of stuff that's going on on tomahawk records on as well and and on this one um but it, for me it just feels like the closest that Patton has ever been to being in something relatively straight ahead is what i was gonna say the outlier in that is anonymous mm. which is just such an, a weird record yeah i think it makes tomahawk's back catalog as a whole a bit weirder than faith no more because i mean Anonymous is weirder than some Phantomous records. It's really weird. I will say Anonymous is the record I'm least familiar with. So may- so maybe that's uh, maybe my opinion of Tom Hawk is sort of coloured by that. I don't know. Um, but um, yeah, I-, I-, I think I think Tomahawk are a fucking great band. They might. Mm, I'm trying to think. 
they're, they're, yeah, they're one of my favourite pattern projects. Definitely. I mean, I think, I think, I think mm. Tom Hawk are, are really, really great. I don't know what the singles are on this um, album because I don't really pay attention to that sort of thing. But no, me neither. But um, I don't know what those songs would be that people have been moaning about because I think this is a really good and really strong record throughout more or less um yeah i mean I, i'm the same i don't know what the singles were from this but nothing jumped out as being completely rubbish to me on here i mean i i will say i think this is quite far from being the very best tomahawk album um there are definitely songs on here that are odd and sick enough to do the thing that they do that i really like about them and like i said um this is a really good this feels like it's pulling the, the one that pulls the most from that fucking spectacular debut record mm. since they've been going again i mean there are there are bits on it that legit sound like do you know what i mean like they they actually sound like um like fatback sounds like flashback from not only in in name but in actual tone and flashback from the the first album yeah and fat back on this album almost could like musically are almost exactly the same mm -hmm, mm -hmm. i've just done a quick check and um i mean i'm even more baffled by if people have been saying that the singles are underwhelming because the singles are business casual and dog eat dog business casual two one, of my fucking favorites yeah, yeah business casual is one of the best songs on the record it's fucking great and like Patton's delivery on that is just it's just so uniquely literal business casual <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. Really and there's some absolutely class mike Patton Patton couplets which only he could have come up with like whiskey dick with a homemade vasectomy and uh get young with psychosexual shitness which is probably a dig at uh mm -hmm. chili peppers um but uh yeah bad cholesterol business casual it's just fucking great it's a brilliant song so i don't see that yeah, at all and doggy doggy dog is the last song on the record is a great way to end the record so no i don't see that at all really um there's a very there's a lot of Dwayne dennison does a lot of palm mewing on this record which creates this mm. kind of i uh, almost like a this is almost like a bizarre soundtrack to a 60s spy thriller i think Dwayne eddie used a lot of that kind of palm muted um guitar stuff and there's something very espionagey about it it's quite difficult to explain why but i think a lot of the music that was that soundtracked those kind of michael kane 60s thrillers or the professionals or uh the saint or whatever um had that palm muted kind of quality to it and i can almost imagine mm. this as like some deranged soundtrack to some psychedelic weird spy thriller type thing that's what i get from it anyway and yeah the... me too and they've they've always liked them sounding like that that kind of mm. yeah they've, they've got a, a get a sort of italian spaghetti western yeah totally twang twangle to them and there's something really sort of um just 1960s cool mm. about this band yeah and yeah it, it's in Dwayne dennison and you've got like really kind of lucid bass lines mm. john stainer brings a backbeat which is just i mean he's he's a drummer with a really recognizable style mm. i feel like everybody in this band 
you know, obviously Mike Patton's got an incredibly distinctive way of creating and, and sounding and stuff. Everybody in this band have a really, really distinct and recognisable style of their own. And combined, it makes for something which is... They're, they're not really an alternative rock band, not really a metal band. They're not really some sort of throwback thing. But yeah, they kind of feel like all those things as well. They're oh, like... Yeah. Lynchian we use that kind of Lynchian mm. term for stuff all the time don't we and uh, we used it on the last Pixies album and I think the album that Mike Patton did with Jean-Claude Varnier we sort of brought that up as well but there is something about every Tomahawk song almost feels like it's being played in the desert and there's just massive gaps between you know like the drum kit set up 40 miles away and mm. yeah they're all still playing at the same time and they're all hallucinating. Yeah, 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 totally. I, I, I think, I think it's a really, um, I, I mean, I think this is a really strong album from beginning to end. Um, yeah, it's not my favorite mm. Tomahawk record that probably would go to the debut, um, but um, it's not. I mean, I definitely prefer it to Oddfellows. I definitely prefer it to Anonymous. Uh, oh. Yeah, it's yeah, I guess it's probably my third favourite after Mick Gass and yeah, the it's first my record. Third favorite. Um mm, definitely but, my third favourite. But I like it very much. It's one of the most immediate Tomahawk records, I think it's fair to say. I th um yeah. a bit like how California is the most immediate Mr. Bungle record. It doesn't necessarily like calling a record like this immediate seems like a bizarre thing because there's still really weird stuff on it. Um, like in Howley, you've got those really sinister strings and stuff, and like, but but Howley sounds sounds just like point and click from the first album. There are songs on here where <laughs> I go. I mean, if people are going, you are kind of rehashing the same ideas. There's a lot of songs from this album that do sound exactly like not just like general tomahawk but exactly like actual songs from that actual first album i think mm. there is quite a bit where you go oh my god that that is almost exactly the same as what you were doing on that exact song on your first record so i could kind of understand that as a criticism a little bit doesn't really bother me because the last couple of albums have not really been up to much so i would rather listen to a kind of slightly less good version of the debut album than something which i'm just not interested in at all but yeah, it's 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 catchy. It's probably catchy to you and I because we're familiar with Tomahawk to the point where we're like, oh, that actually sounds like something I've heard them do before. Um, yeah, I, I well, I think I mean we've reviewed a lot of Mike Patton projects on this show um, over the years, and they uh, are, you know, they they a lot of them are very esoteric and 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 difficult and and sometimes sometimes in a glorious way sometimes in a way that i don't quite get but like um in terms of like if you are intimidated by mike patton's back catalog and don't really know where to start but want something which is at least vaguely familiar i think but yeah face no more should be your starting point but tomahawk is probably not a bad band to go to next just because i think they still have a familiarity to anyone who's listened to alternative rock music in the last you know mm. 10 20 years or whatever um and this is this is a, a good record it wouldn't be a terrible record to start with with uh, tomahawk at all um i yeah I, I i like it a lot i'm i'm a bit i'm i'm very very bemused by people 
not liking those singles, especially Business It's not casual. been many. I've just seen a few people go, ah, it's not great. This it's not that great. But I and I think probably within the context of the entire record, they probably are improved. I mean, I don't know if I take. I think I probably would take. Um, I think I probably would take uh, Business Casual and um, Dog Eat Dog. Uh, no, yeah, uh, maybe not Dog Eat Dog. Uh, definitely Business Casual, as is, on its own, mm. I think is fucking... Yeah. Is a great song. Yeah, yeah, I can't yeah. really understand. I was going to go, like, oh, probably within the context of the album, but actually, that song on its own is is very good. It's great, yeah. So I can see how Dog Eat Dog works better with the album as a whole um it's the last track on the record but i still don't i mean i wouldn't listen to a song like doggy dog and go oh that's a disappointing single or anything like that i don't you know that sounds crazy to me Mm. but anyway this is a really good record it is good it is good yeah that's it really it sounds like the first one but (laughs) maybe not quite as good but uh (laughs) you know nothing wrong with that tonic immobility by tomahawk that is out now as well right let's move on to probably in a week where we've got a Mike Patton album, um, I would say comfortably the most challenging record of the week. Juju, Oh No is the album. It's the 12th studio album from the experimental duo from San Jose, California. The follow-up to the very much debated Girl with Basket of Fruit album from 2019. Over the years, Juju have been a name that have been checked quite a bit if you happen to be a fan of the associated bands of Swans or John Zorn or Mersbow or any of those other kind of sonic noise terrorists um, that are so beloved by a a cult audience. But um, Girl with Basket of Fruit was a real moment where I saw people from kind of outside of those circles talking about this band. Um, we reviewed Caligula by a Lingua Ignota as long-time listeners will probably remember. That was an album which we debated quite heavily and quite intensely, and it deserved it because it is an incredibly difficult and intense record. In the aftermath of hearing that record, um, people started saying to me, oh, you should listen to Girl With Basket of Fruit. Um, it's probably something that you, you would want to hear, although clearly they weren't really listening to my review of of Caligula where I was like please don't put me through this again so I think people going out of the way to basically try and upset me and it is a it is a a harrowing listen that album a pretty harrowing listen and I've seen reviews of people saying that it's an absolute masterpiece I've seen reviews of people saying that it's an aimless disaster and I've seen reviews of people saying something that sits somewhere in the middle where they go it can be genius but it can also be totally totally aimless um but we didn't review girl with basket of fruit and maybe we should have done maybe we actually should have stuck that in as a catch-up at some point but it is quite an interesting record which i believe you haven't heard renfrey is that right no actually um i was fairly unfamiliar with juju well i'm completely unfamiliar with juju really i had vaguely heard the name um and so you were quite keen to do this you mentioned the lingua ignotus thing as a connection and i see it uh but i also think it might be somewhat misleading because i guess when i think of lingua ignota i think of something this this could be a really really difficult listen um and it's going to be a really tough 
thing to uh to in, uh, to endure i don't know i mean i love that record i think caligula is an amazing piece of work but you have to be in the right mm -hmm. frame of mind for it um maybe that was more of a comparison to the last record which i haven't heard with this one yeah. i don't feel like this is a painful tormenting difficult listen um no it builds very 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 different record yeah right okay it builds to something which is uh quite harsh and uh, and difficult it the the entire album feels like it builds to what is that song called um it bothers me it bothers me all the time um which mm -hmm. which becomes quite a cacophonous sort of song which i think is track 10 of 15 and then it begins to quieten down again and that's quite an interesting unusual uh sort of structure for a record um and i liked it i think it's interesting to hear that some people found the last one sometimes genius and sometimes aimless because mm. i think i would apply that to this record as well i think there are moments where it's just so brilliantly realized and this is a record of duets mm. as well we should say so this is the 12th album by them and but this particular record the kind of um uh, elevator pitch is every single song on it is a duet with another artist and um that's a really interesting thing to do is a really interesting you know people like sharon van Etten is on it chelsea wolf uh among a bunch of others and it's a really interesting mix of different styles it it's very um it goes all over this all over the place this record it's very difficult to put it into a genre and yet it sounds very very cohesive because of that structure of it gradually building to this really cacophonous sort of noise around track 10 and then it gradually dying down again it works you know it works in a really um cohesive manner i think the thing about it is there's a few songs for me which sound a little bit surplus to requirements it's 15 tracks as i said 53 minutes and 47 seconds i think if two or three of the songs were taken off of it i might have been going this is an absolute blinder of an album but as it is um there's just a couple of songs on it which are probably not surplus to requirements um but when it's good, it's really fucking good. It's really, really interesting. Um, like, I don't know, I Cannot Resist features a beautiful kind of call and response with what sounds like a male choir, which is a really cool yeah. thing to do. And then it concludes with a sort of militaristic kind of beat before gradually devolving into weird sounds. And then a vocalist comes in going all like bing bong bang bong bing <laughs> it sounds weird and esoteric and odd but it really works and it sounds it sounds really 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 cool um and then there's like the song fuzz fuzz gong fight which is a duet with regular juju member angela Sio, is really good and so it certainly makes me want to check out more of juju's previous work mm. uh I dream of someone else entirely is is just beautiful mixes building electronic elements with banjo in quite an unorthodox way but it sounds kind of beautiful um it's like van jet vangelis meets mumford and sons but also far far better than that makes it sound but this is apparently a reflection uh that jamie stewart i mean it is less intense of a record and apparently it's due to the fact that jamie stewart um now has sort of come to believe that 
there's a 60-40 split of good to shitty people in the world, whereas he used to believe that it was a 1 to 99. And I think when you know that, that kind of probably goes, ah, well, this is a bit of an easier listen overall Mm. because, I mean, I'm assuming he picked from the 60% of people that he liked Mm. um, to kind of duet on the record. And because, you know, I think like most albums of their ilk where it is duets and it is different bits and bobs, it is a fairly mixed bag. It's far less abrasive and horrible than, you know, large parts of the last record. I think it grabs you straight away with just how quiet it is. I mean, mm-hmm. like you say about it building, it's beautifully quiet on the opening song. The opening song is called um, Sad Mescalita. Mm-hmm. And uh, Sharon Von Etten says, you're so much more than only special to me. And it's dark and haunting sonically, but it's quite lovely as well. You yeah. know? It's actually quite, conti- you know, putting on having listened to the last record, I was like, oh, there's positivity in here, you know? And again, the second track, which um, has uh, Drab Majesty on it is, really slight and fragile and you almost have to lean in to listen to it and it's kind of hauntingly sad and i thought at that point i was like fucking hell we might have something really super special here and jamie stewart's got this voice that there's parts in that song where he he's almost too emotional to be able to get his words out Mm, mm, you know what i mean it mm. feels like a really genuine pained performance and when there's a part towards the end of that where this brass and noise just coming from nowhere and it's such a shock in the best possible way because you've been really almost like closing your eyes to listen to it properly. And then it just goes, bah, and it, it just shakes you. And that that's always really, really exciting. And, you know, there's there's parts that I'm less affected by what's going on. The title track, uh, the title track almost seems kind of trite by comparison to a I'm lot s- of the stuff going so, on here. I'm so glad you said that. So the first four tracks, I think, are just stunning. And I completely agree with you mm. that, like, when when this started, I was like, oh, hello, this could be, like, really good album of the year contender sort of content thing. And, that yeah, and then Oh No, track five came in, and I was like, oh, this is... I mean, that's the first song where I'm like, yeah, this is surplus to require. This is not needed. Mm. Uh, and as a result, yeah. I think because so much of the album is... Um, James, uh, is it James Stewart? J- James J- Jamie Stewart. Stewart, sorry. Um, like he 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 expresses himself in sort of haunted whispers and tortured cries and stuff, and that's very very effect. It's very affecting up to a point, but for fifty three minutes and forty seconds of it, it, it gets a little bit. There there are points where you're like this is a little bit too much. And because you're, because you've been doing it for a long time, I now am not feeling it as much as I feel like I probably should be. Um, And yeah, Oh No is like one of, probably the first point in the record where I feel that, where I feel it's just like a little bit too much in that direction, if that makes sense. Yeah, 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 definitely. I mean, I think, you know, there are loads of things to enjoy here and it is an interesting record. I mean, Goodbye for Good could have been on Abyss by Chelsea Wolf. Mm. Um, Rumpus Room uh, is deliciously catchy yeah. compared to the standards of the rest of the record. And unsurprisingly, Chelsea Wolf turning up on a cover of 100 Years by mm. The Cure is an absolute album highlight. Mm. Going full Chelsea Wolf, downward spiral meets pornography by the cure like on a song from pornography by the cure i should say but they make it sound just 
crushing and it's great and there's stuff like hearing chelsea wolf do robert smith is is a match Mm. made in heaven she's so i i think she's i think she's better at doing robert smith than robert smith is which is a hell of a thing to say but but you know (laughs) like uh, yeah uh, it's a relatively straight cover as covers go it's a Mm. bit more beefed up got it's got uh more of an industrial edge i think it's fair to say which makes it a little bit darker um but yeah that's a great that's a great cover really really good there's a song on it called um saint uh dymphna with yeah. twin shadows really great as well lovely shoegazy vibe to the whole thing and it's mm. got some weird noise at the end i think you know like you said the last few songs are actually far more kind of easier and palatable on the ear uh, particularly if you've listened to parts of their back catalogue as well and i mean actually that i dream of someone else entirely the last 20 seconds of that song uh, i think is the 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 finest moment on the yeah. whole album yeah I yeah. think it's fucking amazing. And but that kind of sums up the album for me. I think it's an album of there it's moments. Yeah. There are incredible moments throughout this this album, but not enough truly amazing songs. Uh, totally, totally. There's some great songs on it. There's yeah. some really great songs on it, but there are more just outstanding moments that come in. Um but I think like I think this is definitely worth your time. Mm. If you're interested in this band, if you're interested in that kind of stuff, and maybe if you hadn't listened to, you know, the previous material or whatever, and you're like, oh, yeah, I've heard that name. And I, I don't think this is, it's a it's a bit like that Last Swans album where I would say this is quite a good, I don't think it's as good as that Last Swans album, no. but th- th- I would say to someone who was like, oh, I want to get into Swans, but I'm scared to actually listen to them because I don't know what I'm getting myself in for. I would say to that person, well, if you listen to the last album and you like that, then you're going to be less daunted when you go into the stuff that's really fucking hard work. And I feel Definitely. like this is this is less. This is a, a bit more of a mixed bag, and it's not as daunting a record as they can be. I I, as a band. I, I un, undoubtedly having heard this, I'm really curious to hear Juju's other stuff, and uh, certainly the records which are considered more classic or maybe divisive mm. um, might be might be mm. more accurate um but you know a lot of the best records often are so um but yes i i think that that thing that you said about there's great moments of this record a few great songs too but the, uh, it would have been if it had been edited down a little bit more and uh I, I think it would have just worked as a whole so much better but when it does work it's it's fucking great it's really good when it works yeah. mm it really is so that's that now uh that is oh no by juju uh we're moving on to something which very very different indeed the self-titled album by black spiders third album from the retro rock band that were very much beloved by the classic rock crowd in the late noughties to the early tens the first album since their reformation having split in 2016 um the last album was 2013's this savage land although it has to be said uh the the album um, Sons of the North from 2011 is really the best, the definitive, the the most outstanding Black Spiders record. And it's us. That, that is a, I, I an, love that record. It's an astonishing record. And considering that neither you or me tend to be into that retro rock thing, uh, it's one of the rare records where I think we can both agree. I mean, that's a nine out of 10 record. That's a, like it's just yeah, it's from beginning brilliant. to end it's fucking fantastic um i think this savage land um 
I went back to this Savage Land for this, actually, because this Savage Land is not a record which stuck with me as much. Um, and I'll, I'll be honest, this Savage Land is, is better than I remember it being. Um, but Balls is on, isn't it? Balls is good. You I, gotta have balls to be a man like me. Uh, balls is... No, fine. Um, it's it's okay. It's <laughs> <laughs> it's fine. Um, but but certainly, this Savage Land was. I think the Savage Land was an okay record overall. It has some great songs on it, but some fairly nah songs on it as well. Um, so I have to be honest. I was a little bit nervous about listening to this record because, you know, comeback album, like so often they're not very good. Although mm. actually we've reviewed some fantastic comeback records this year, but that's been very much, they've been very much outliers. Um, and, you know, first album made eight years and yada, yada, yada. And I was a little bit um, nervous to press play on this album. And when, when I did, I don't think it starts very well with uh fly in the soup is a perfectly fine song but it feels very serviceable to me when you consider mm. i mean the first song on sons of the north is stay down which is fucking brilliant and even on this savage land knock you out is an absolute rager as well but based on the first song from this record i, I was kind of like oh god it's going to be it's going to be a, a a watered down version of what i liked from black spiders i'm very happy to report that that is not what this album is at all this album's actually fucking killer it's just mm. got a couple of moments that well it's just a, a, once again it's a couple of songs too long um but other than that there are some fucking great songs on this record there's a lot of uh sabbath-esque kind of feel to it on songs like wizard shall not kill wizard which even sounds like a black sabbath title and death comes yeah. creeping i think pete speedy even has a slight ozzy osbourne inflection to his vocals on wizards should not kill wizard particularly and there's some mm -hmm. manic laughter in that track which just feels like a very ozzy osbourne type thing to do um there's a song called free ride which sounds a lot like jerry cantrell uh yeah. i think and alice in chains territory really nice mid-pace so, sort of stompy rocker with a wicked chorus that has those kind of really nice alice in chains-esque uh vocal harmonies um and then uh, but as as this record went on i really 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 got into it but but that first song i don't know if you feel the same way about flying the suit but did you find that a bit of a misstep in as terms well, in terms of an opening not really because okay. i think it sounds like i believe in a thing called love <laughs> So, you know, I think they it's not a bad choice to open your album with a song, which is, you know, th there's a few songs. Here. I mean, the, th the thing about, you know, and we said it about the darkness, I guess. And I would say about Airborne, the first couple of Airborne albums as well. And, and this is why I loved Black Spiders. It's like, it's nothing really particularly, well, nothing, not in particular, nothing reinventing the wheel or changing yeah the idea of what rock music is or being experimental in any way whatsoever. And usually, you know, you have to be very good, very good songwriters to get away with that, that, that kind of thing. And the problem with so many of the, the classic rock set of this last decade, you know, since kind of rival sons rose up and became a big thing. And we've had, 
you know, the temperance movement and Blackberry Smoke and, uh, I mean, to a lesser extent, something like Black, Black, Blackstone Cherry. I think I do actually have a few good albums. Um, you know, it's, it was, it's become a very tired, sloppy, old-sounding, slow, monotonous, quite boring genre of music, the kind of classic rock thing. It's become really, really boring. And to make that sound youthful and exciting again, even if it is in lieu of doing, you know, quite a cheesy, the darkness style thing, I think is a good thing. And I was the same as you. I was genuinely quite nervous about pressing play on this, mm. but I don't think I should have been really. No. I mean, it's it's too long. Yes, like, it We is. should probably say that. It, it, it's definitely, we only need 10 tracks of this, right? Yes. Max, I would say. It's, it's 50. 10 tracks. It's 50 Back minutes. in Black is... Come yeah, on. Back in Black's 10 tracks. Oh, it's 10 tracks, so come on. You don't need any more than that. Um, but it's it's long, like you say. It's it's too long, right? It's 50 minutes and 11 seconds, 13 tracks. Uh, yeah, I think 10 or 11 tracks. Personally, I would have taken off Flying the Soup and Good Times, and then I think you've got a fucking great 42-minute record, but you looks like you I, disagree. <laughs> I, good Times is... like I fucking... I think Good Times is an absolute riot. Like it sounds like Black yeah. Betty, and it sounds like a barroom brawl, and it sounds like it's got Joel from Airborne on it. There as well. I was about I to say, but you like a, you like ACDC, which is probably why you like it. Well, <laughs> yeah, I mean, this is a great rock album. I, just, I mean, this is this is better than the last ACDC album. Oh God, yeah. And I know that's you know considered the kind of heretical thing to say by some people but and and i like that last days you know i like acdc and i quite like that last acdc album i thought we had some good stuff on no, it but this even is, it's a fact this even, is better than the last ACDC. yeah record. even as a committed acdc fan this is better than that previous yeah. acdc album and i think they do that stuff really really well and yeah you know like it pulls from Sabbath and it pulls from ACDC and it pulls from Queens of Stone Age, even bit Queens of Stone Age and even shit like even bits of the more kind of fun stuff. It's not a million miles away from something like Def Leppard even. I mean, maybe not quite as sugary as Def Leppard, but certainly in how anthemic and like way it is like and Thin Lizzy and, you know, like. It's the big, it's the big, 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 big bands in the history of classic rock that you're talking about here that they are kind of paying homage to, yeah. whilst also sounding a bit more gritty and a lot more fiery. Yeah, oh, and that's totally. a, that's that's great. Mm. Like you know, I I would probably still buy Classic Rock magazine if all of these bands sounded like this, but they don't. No, no, most of them don't. Um, uh, uh, yeah, overall, Black Spiders aren't even a new band anymore. They're actually an old band at this point. Yeah, I, I, I guess they are. Um, They've but, been around. When did they form? Hold on. They formed in 2008. Mm. So they've now been around for like nearly 15 years. years since they formed. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, but overall, I, overall, I think this this album is fantastic, despite the fact that I, you know, I, I think it would have been much better if they'd taken a couple of songs off of it. Um, Crooked Black Wings. Yeah is the last song on the record and is fucking great. And it's probably probably the only time where it does go into a slightly different thing where we go, oh, wow, that's quite unexpected. And Black Spiders haven't really done that before. So it begins and has this wicked chorus going like, Norse men, raise your voices, which is a very Black mm. Spiders type thing to do. Before going into a really trippy, stoner, 
acoustic thing, which was very reminiscent of uh, Caius when they go acoustic-y. Uh, and I think early... Sabotage. Sabotage. Era, Sabbath. Early Monster Magnet. Uh, and it sounds awesome. And I'm assuming and hoping they'll end the song, uh, end shows with that song when shows are allowed to happen. And it's fucking great crooked black wings it's a brilliant brilliant song and i really love surely the f- that surely they'll surely they'll end their set with say peter won't you let me in now lord knows all the trouble i'm in this is really interesting because i was talking to my house my housemate is a huge huge black spiders fan shout out amy jeskins and uh we were talking about this and we were like surely surely uh saint peter is black spider's biggest song it's not even in the top 10 on spotify is it not? Isn't that insane? Because it's so clearly their best song. Um, Kiss tried to kill me must be the biggest one. Kiss right? tried to kill me is the biggest one. I yeah. thought I th- would have thought that would be the biggest one. Yeah, I, how I many th- plays has that got? Uh, Kiss tried to kill me is six hundred and two thousand one hundred eighty, which is their biggest song. But yeah, Saint mm-hmm. Peter is not on the current top ten. I mean, that might be because they've put in a few of the new singles. Uh, I don't know. End the main set like that, and then come back on and do balls just like a woman should kiss tried to kill me in saint peter i reckon that's fucking killer yeah you can drop you can drop balls but i tell you nah balls is not not a great you gotta have balls the bit where it goes cowbell (laughs) it's great it's brilliant yeah that is a great song Uh, and shove it up your ass if you don't think any different to me how dare you looks Um, looks like i will be (laughs) i'd like to see you try what's happened here what has happened i'm not sure yeah what has happened here this is derailed what what is wrong with people (laughs) um black spiders self-titled new album is out now if you do like rock and roll music and i wonder how many people because we've basically alienated a lot of people (laughs) that like just (laughs) just like normal music um, I say we. I say, I say we. I say we. I, I'm taking. I, I'm. I'm. I, I'm. I'm being a good teammate and taking collective responsibility. <laughs> but we know. We know. Really, is alienated people who like straight ahead rock music, don't we? It's not. It's not the guy who's nice about ACDC all the time <laughs> and Van Halen, is it? It's not. It's not that guy. It's the one who thinks like fucking. Godspeed you Black Emperor party band. <laughs> That's the guy. That's the one. That is, I've so never anyway. said that. <laughs> no, no, yeah. As we will discuss anyway. next week. <laughs> yeah, we will. I think that's why it popped into my head. I was like, oh, that'd be fun. Um, <laughs> Black Spider's self-titled album is out now. It is really good. It's it great. It is really good and a good reminder of how great good rock music is. It's really uh, good. Let's yeah. end... Let's end this week by talking about Serge Tankian. Elasticity. The elasticity of our city <laughs> is not how that goes. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> this has been a very yeah. silly record, hasn't it? Deary me. Yeah, it's good though. It's fine. It's good. Uh, the debut solo EP by the System of a Down Frontman. It's his first ever solo EP. 
Yeah, this? yeah. I mean, obviously, he's done solo stuff in the past, but yes, the te- yeah, of course. Te- technically, that is true. It is his debut, the d- solo. debut solo EP. <laughs> yeah, made point. It's semantics. Uh, I've never really, yes, I've never really given much of a shite about Serge's solo <laughs> stuff. I have to be honest. Have to be perfect. Honest. I have listened to like Elect the Dead and bits and bobs here and there, but we did a, a special on System of a Down last year, at the end of last year, and it reinforced why. I love them so much or I loved them so much. And they're obviously one of the great bands system of down of all time. And Serge Tankian's voice, Serge Tankian's approach to music is, you know, his, his incredible imagination for concocting weird and wonderful sounds from his larynx is one of the reasons why system of down are such a brilliant band. So it's kind of weird that I have such a lack of interest in his solo material reason, but I guess I tend to keep quite far away from the post system of a down projects by the members of system of a down, because I think in the main, they're usually quite average. When Uh, when we talk about identity and having a, um, a very recognizable sound system of a down are just a brilliant, brilliant example of that. You know, they're they're undoubtedly a band who you listen to them and you go, that's system of a down. Um, Mm uh for my part i'm just going to say that i i actually really really enjoyed alex the dead um i thought that i i do think that's a great record um but i'm not too bothered by the surge stuff that came after it harry carey and mm, imperfect harmonies i think it's called um Mm. so yes but i thought this would be an interesting one to throw in because obviously there's been quite a lot of talk around it in that allegedly these songs were written for a new system of a down record um but the members of the band couldn't come to an agreement on the direction that the material should take and when i listen to it i think you can kind of hear that there are certain things that serge is doing which he hasn't done for a long time uh there's a manic wackiness to a lot of serge's delivery on this album which is quite Mm -hmm. unusual and there's like riffs like riffs it's not something that he's really um, done loads of in his solo work, I would say. I don't think his solo work has been built around riffs, for example. So I thought it'd be an no. interesting one to talk about. And Definitely. This is, an yeah. interest, this is an interesting EP, isn't it? I think the context of the EP is is interesting. Yes. Right. <laughs> okay. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um. I think the opening song, the title track, is pretty good. Yeah. I think it's pretty good. I think it's a. I think it's a mesmerized B side. If we're putting it in system of a down. Um. If we're putting it in system of a down land. Um. But I didn't dislike it. I did think to myself, like, okay, yeah, it's got hallmarks of all the stuff that he's done and uh, it does I, sound a bit like system of a down i suppose yeah i i was really uh so uh, taken aback when i heard serge go into the sort of deranged scatting stuff that he does that stuff uh and i was like oh wow i haven't heard serge do that for quite a long time um and it's weird that's something that i loved like the the the, the, the deranged vocal style of Surge, particularly on that debut System of a Down record, but on Toxicity as well and Mesmerize and Hypnotize. 
uh, was something that I just absolutely loved. And we've talked about in the past how uh, it's very difficult to be wacky or, or, or crazy or whatever, but still, but not, not step over into annoying territory. Yeah. Um, and I'm not, and I think sometimes Serge manages to do that on the CP and sometimes he doesn't. Um, I mm. think I, I, the, the sort of his delivery on Elasticity did feel a little bit forced to me, almost as if he was like, well, I'm writing for System of a Down now. And I used to do this in System of a Down. Um, but because he hadn't done it for a while, I don't know. It just it didn't quite sit right with me. I don't think it's a terrible song at all. I think it's got quite a nice big chorus, which sounds very Elect the Deddy um, to me. Um, but yeah, I think it starts quite well. It starts quite well. And the next song is called Your Mum. And that's a problem because it's called Your Mum. Um, <laughs> and which is an absolutely, I mean, you know, you're not Sugar Ray or OPM or the fucking Bloodhound Gang. I don't think he needs to be calling the song Your Mum. Well, it's, it's, particularly, weird. it's particularly weird because it's a uh, very political. I was like, okay, I, I saw the, the track title for Your Mum. I was like, oh, okay, we're going to have like a, comedy song or something like that it's not that at all and it's not a, and look, look, you know we talked about how good bounce was yeah. on the on toxicity yeah. and you know the, the system of a down aren't completely totally serious but i was like your mum is a bit crap and it's got all the kind of eastern mysticism stuff that surge i think it's more in the sort of surge tanky and solo thing than straight system of a down but it does kind of the, the if if that is a if that is a uh, a sliding scale, it's kind of it's some it's sliding up and down around the, the middle of being System of a Down or his solo material. Mm, it's not really mm. one or t'other. And I, I I think you could almost say that of this entire EP. Yeah, which it's makes a it a bit weird. Well. Yes, yes, yeah, and it's kind of edge. Like, it's kind of edgeless, and um, to kind of go through everything, I, I'm just going to go through everything. If you don't mind, Renfrew. Mm -hmm. I found how many times quite dull. It's like a sort of ballady one. Rumi starts with a piano, which I quite like. And you can see like that's so this is a great vocal range. Really recognizable, incredibly impressive. But there wasn't really much else to it as a song that I enjoyed. I actually think that the kind of the, the anger on the last song, Electric Yerevan, is the closest he gets to being like System of a Down. And therefore Definitely. it was my favorite thing with that kind of Mellotron on it as well. Yep. But I have to be honest. No one needs this, do they? Do people, do you need, no one needs this. And if this was what a System of a Down album was going to sound like, and we had those two songs, and I think uh, the first one, which whose name escapes me now, um, uh, it Protect was the Land. Protect the Land, yeah. And Protect Humanoids, and Genocide. Humanoidal Genocide. That's it. Genocidal Humanoids. Humanoidal Genocide. Genocidal Humanoids, which I actually liked um, Genocidal Humanoids. And I think that still remains the best thing totally. that I've heard on Serge Tankian being involved in since that, since, since other System of a Down stuff, really. But, I mean, if this was what, uh, you know, a System of a Down album was gonna sound like oh I, it made me go back to being like oh god run away but here's the key thing isn't it it isn't what a new system of a down record was going to sound like it's surge's yeah. contributions to what it, or it's some of surge's contributions to what it would have sounded like and what 
what is strange about this record? I think it's a really interesting record, uh, a really interesting EP, in that you hear Serge's contributions to System of Down, and yet it kind of feels like there's something missing. It feels like, mm -hmm. uh, you know, System of Down are one of the bands... When we talk about chemistry in bands, System of a Down had a chemistry that basically means, and it's a it's a bit of a shit thing to say, but their chemistry was so incredible that the truth is, is none of the members of that band are ever going to do anything as exciting outside of System of a Down because it's that unique combustible, those elements all brought together that makes System of a Down what it is. And this feels mm. like a half-finished System of a Town EP, almost. I mean, I think, I think how many times and Rumi are far more um, Serge Tanky and solo led. But I think the other three songs, yeah. you can totally see how he's writing for System of a Down. I think, and there were times in it where I was like, oh man, but like if Darren was doing his vocal over the top of that or if there was a if there was a little bit of darren here or john dolman's playing or whatever john. this could have been elevated to something very very good and actually mm. i would have liked to have heard these songs you know and all there's a parallel universe where they did manage to make it work out and these songs came out and it could have been really really good but it does feel it, it it's not that it feels unfinished it just feels like the foundations of something which needed the other guys in to make it truly special does that make sense um yeah it does it does make sense i mean it also uh, yeah i mean it it makes sense but at the same time i am like i still think i i can listen to this and go uh, you know, it's Serge Tankian's solo, so I don't have as much expectation levels on it. Um, and it's, you know, it's not really that great and I'll never listen to it again. But the idea of these songs being System of a Down songs, the standards would be so... Not only... Do, do I think they'd be better if you had John Domain and Darren Malakian and Chavo coming in and, and putting their spin on it and adding stuff to it? definitely mm. without any question they would be would they be good enough i just i'm not sure these songs are just good enough no matter who comes in on them and also you have to take into account that like you say there are parts in this where you go serge you're you're kind of you're kind of just doing that because you feel like that maybe that that's what you should do mm. Mm. it's a bit like the you know what i said about the man street preachers about how when i saw them play the holy bible uh, these songs are amazing but they don't mm. look like they want to be doing them mm. yes and then they came out and played songs which i'm less interested in but they looked much more comfortable doing it he sounds more comfortable on the songs that i don't like on this yeah, uh, yeah I and think that's a bit that's of a true. worry yeah so if you had so you know you're looking you're, you've got a serge tankian who is still knows what he's doing but is kind of operating it like let's be very very generous here and say he's operating at, at 70 percent of his capacity i think that's being quite generous but let's say he's operating at 70% of his capacity. If you put in the 70% capacity of the rest of the band, it still doesn't add up to enough to make... And you put in the fact that the songs are... There's nothing like Prison Song. There's nothing like Darts or Sugar 
on on this EP. There's not there's you know or Lost in Hollywood. There's nothing that is anywhere near as good sort of like compositionally as those songs. It's just not. But Darren might have brought in those songs. I mean, we 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 just we just don't know. Like, but I can't help but feel yeah. that there is, um, there is there is, like I say, these songs do sound complete, and yet at the same time they sort of don't. Because you can kind of hear that uh, Serge is making a few maybe compromises um, in, you know, he's going, OK, I don't really want to do this, but I'm going to do this for the benefit of us all trying to get back into a room together and trying to go in the same direction. And it didn't work out. And, you know, it's fair enough to release this anyway as a kind of like, well, you know, we we tried, didn't work out. But here's sort of the bare bones of what I had. And I think mm. it could have been. I think it could have been turned into something really, really interesting and really, really good. Um, I think as it is, I mean, for my money, it's the best stuff Serge has released since Select the Dead. I don't think that's a massive uh, uh, recommendation, um, but I, I do think it is. It, 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 it's a really odd one listening to this EP because there are moments mm. where I'm like, that is fantastic. And then there are moments where I'm like, that sounds really forced. And like you're trying to be who you were 20 years ago, but not quite managing it. Um, mm. It's for someone who has been so outspoken politically and so smart politically and stuff like that. You, you know, your mum, for example, the the politicised nature of that song and the lyrics of that song sound <coughs> really forced, you know, surprisingly yeah. so. And when you consider that Serge has been one of the, the, the uh, best orators of political um, discourse, in the world <laughs> like like in in modern music it's a bit weird to hear it sounding forced from him um we should probably super briefly also say th the cover for this album is fucking dreadful um and <laughs> yes, and great, is I, it? I mean you know i wouldn't normally um remark on that kind of thing um but i i just i couldn't believe it when i saw it i was like why have you there are some there are some baffling decisions that have been made on this ep i think the cover art being one of them um it looks like an orgy album it looks like it looks like the 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 return of orgy it's 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 really bad uh and that's even the even the typeface of like how his name yeah. is written and stuff it looks like new metal yeah i'm not really sure why he's done that um but it's it's kind of weird because i think there are glimpses of of brilliance on this genuinely i think there's glimpses where you're like oh that is fantastic but there's also bits where you're like that would have been so much better if you could have got into a room with those other guys who you've not managed to you know uh mm. make music with for a long time and it's very difficult not to listen to it in that context so it's a weird one but um you said you wouldn't go back to it i i probably will but not very often i think is how i feel about it okay well enjoy that um <laughs> that was that was elasticity by serge tankian uh that's it from us we'll be back next week with more stuff thank you again to signature brew go to signaturebrew.co.uk to sign up sign up well you can sign up if you want for like newsletters and stuff i'm sure uh but you can order yourself a pub in a box and some very nice alcoholic beverages go over to our patreon page patreon.com forward slash right act podcast and that is where you can sign up as well for our five pound a month classic album tier or for any amount you can suggest an album for us to listen to 
and do on a Rioters review. So next week we're going to be doing Godspeed You Black Emperor and some other post-rock band as well, according to Renfrey. So, um, the ultimate we... party band, Godspeed You Black Emperor. <laughs> Uh, uh, I like Godspeed You Black Emperor I'm quite looking forward to it so I've got no problem with that at all we will see you next week we'll do fucking Rihanna or something just to balance it out probably Uh, anyway thanks for listening we'll see you next week